0: Welcome to Specialty Stories. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, and I am excited to be here today. I'm excited to be here every day talking to you. In this podcast, I get to have amazing conversations with physicians about their specialty. And the conversation today is a very interesting one for me personally because I've dealt with some genetic things with uh, my own children. And because this specialty is so unknown to many students out there. When we talk about genetics, a lot of people don't think that physicians can be genetic specialists. But Dr. Elizabeth Chow is gonna talk about medical genetics and how she came to the field of medical genetics. We start the conversation by finding out how Dr. Chow first became interested about medical genetics.
1: I think I've always been interested in the concept of genetics, even thinking back to high school and, uh, you know, doing some basic genetics calculations. Um, It always really interested me, the idea of the way things ran in families and how things were inherited. But my path to becoming a medical geneticist was not actually clear, as I was interested in the topic, but wasn't really aware of the different specialty options. And so it took me quite a long time to come around to the fact that I actually wanted to complete my medical training in genetics and that this was how I wanted to practice medicine.
0: So those, those punnett squares really got you then.
1: They really did. (laughs) I thought that was a lot of fun and I I get to still do them today, which is also really fun.
0: That's awesome. I I love the, the kind of memes that are going around social media where it's the, um, the, like gummy bears that are cut up to explain (laughs) genetics. (laughs) I love those. Yes, well, that's cool. I, I think I, I, I'm i going to enjoy this conversation, number one, because I, I love learning new fields. And number two, because a lot of students, when they think about genetics, don't think it's a medical specialty. Why Why do you think medical genetics is, is such a hidden specialty in the, the medical world?
1: You know, that's a really interesting question, especially because Medical genetics is one of the first courses most students will take in medical school. And it's usually a required first year course. Some schools will do it in the second year, but they all have some exposure at least because that's a required part of the curriculum. Of course, translating what they learn in their first or second year, what you learn in your first or second year into actual medical practice. I think that's the piece that's missing is you might do a lot of those punnett squares, and learn some basic paradigms about cystic fibrosis or Down syndrome or some of the other rare diseases. Um, but we don't see that in action a lot. Once students, I think, get into their third and fourth years and they're doing their clinical rotations, they really are seeing a lot more of you know common diseases, common presentations, Maybe a little bit in pediatrics um, is probably the most commonplace, maybe a little bit in the OB or prenatal setting, but there's not a lot of exposure to patients in general with rare diseases or rare presentations, which is most of what we deal with in clinical genetics.
0: Mm. What are some of the biggest myths or misconceptions around medical genetics?
1: Greatest misconception I have when I tell people I'm a geneticist is they say something like, oh, but I thought you were a doctor, like an MD, Mm. like a physician. And I have to clarify that I am because most people think of genetics as being more in the research setting or maybe a PhD um, or on the science side, which is, of course, a big part of what we do. But geneticists do also, as I do, practice medicine and we see patients and we take care of patients and, you know, make diagnoses and manage our patients using a lot of information. Uh,
0: Interesting. Yeah, I think that's definitely um, something a lot of a lot of students, as we mentioned already, just don't think about genetics as a again, a MD kind of DO world out there. So talk talk about as you were going through your training, were there any other specialties that were drawing you to kind of leave medical genetics behind? Or was it medical genetics all the way for you?
1: So I had um, not a clear path towards medical genetics, and I'll I'll speak a little bit about my own experience, which I think is is probably unique to me. But uh, one of the ways I got really interested in this field was through cancer genetics, and. Uh, Uh, I had taken some time off to do research. um, And so I had a pretty strong background there. And because I had not been exposed greatly to the field of medical genetics, I figured that my path lay in oncology, because if I was interested in cancer, that was sort of what I knew and had been exposed to for um, taking care of cancer patients and taking care of families who had cancer. Um, So I started out on that path uh, to become an oncologist and, in fact, began my clinical training um, in internal medicine with the intention of going into oncology. Um, But I was lucky enough to have a great mentor who uh, was, in fact, a cancer geneticist and had arrived at his career through the path of training in clinical genetics. And so it was actually during the time that um, I was a resident and doing research that I realized that uh, clinical genetics would be an option for me and would actually be the right path for me to get involved in seeing patients and taking care of them in the way that I really loved, uh, in addition to being able to you know, really bring I think, you know, as a geneticist, I get to really bring science to the bedside every day. Um, And that's something I really love about the field and clinical genetics. Once I came around and had the opportunity to be exposed to it, that was one of the things I came to love about it right away.
0: What does the typical day in the life look like for you?
1: Most of us, like I do, you know, my typical day is a blend of, you know, teaching, research and clinical responsibilities, depending on. You know where I am in the month. Um, so this week, for example, I a typical day, I'm on call this week. So I am covering um, the hospital and most of the call that I take is is from the NICU, although occasionally we do get consults from the pediatric or the adult floors. Um, and so I might um get called on probably somewhere between I would say four to six patients is sort of the typical call week that I would do that many consults. So I fit that in, um, and then the rest of my days are really, uh, you know, I might have clinic. Um, most geneticists will have not a full clinic schedule in that I don't. I don't know of any clinical geneticists who see patients you know, every single day in clinic, the way some other specialties might. So myself, uh, many of the geneticists in my practice, we might have clinic uh, maybe four half days a week or three to four half days a week. And uh, those would be clinic days. And there's a lot that goes along with that. Uh, the, The cadence of a genetics clinic is very different. So for my schedule, I would see four patients in a morning, and I schedule them on the hour because I do spend a lot of time with my patients, and I spend a lot of time preparing for them. Um, So that's a little bit different from other specialties, too, where we would actually consider eight clinic patients to be a full day Mm. because of the amount of time that we do spend with the patients and talking with families in the course of those visits.
0: Yeah. So calls from the NICU, I'm assuming just that someone notices some potential differences and they say is there potentially something going on here genetics wise and they they call you to investigate
1: correct yes i mean sometimes they're more clear cut and then that there was a presumed prenatal diagnosis or mm. a likely prenatal diagnosis and we get called in but oftentimes it's uh, you know a birth defect that might be noticed at the time of birth or a congenital anomaly or some features that the neonatologist might notice that there's some concern for a genetic cause.
0: Yeah, interesting, very cool. What does call look like for you?
1: Um, it, it's not incredibly busy, you know, we we don't have, we don't admit to our own service, um, so we don't have our own inpatient service. Uh, so we get consults, you know, pretty regularly, um, you know, maybe on the order of, uh, a consult a day or or um I think I said four to six, maybe around four to six consults per the week. Um those consults do take up a significant amount of time. Um most of them involve obviously going in to see the consult um and doing an evaluation. But then a lot of times you know there's usually a meeting with the family, sometimes the social worker, sometimes Of of really just talking with the family about their diagnosis and what they can expect for the health and well-being of their child. So that's a big part of what I do on call as well.
0: Interesting. What are some of the bread and butter kind of cases that you see as a medical geneticist?
1: I mean, I think that the one that always comes to mind is, of course, Down syndrome. So, you know, that A lot of that is diagnosed prenatally, so we see that both pre- and postnatal diagnoses, as well as taking care of those kids long-term. Um, developmental delay uh, is, is a really common, more on the outpatient side, indication for a genetics consult, seizures. Um, and congenital anomalies. So, you know, congenital heart defects or something were often called in for inpatient consultation on newborns, um, or, you know, constellations of of birth defects, for example, multiple congenital anomalies. Um, I think those are probably, you know, the most common indications for consult. And then only a small percentage of them do turn out to have an underlying genetic etiology that we're able to find. And those patients, we then wind up usually following long term to make sure that they get, you know, the appropriate counseling and care that they need for their diagnosis.
0: Yeah. What does the training path look like to become a medical geneticist?
1: So the it's actually pretty quick. Um, The clinical residency is two years. Um, And before you start, there's a requirement for some primary training, which historically has uh, been two years of training, and usually that's internal medicine or pediatrics. I think a few years, actually, I know a few years ago, they reduced that to a single year. So now, uh, at the minimum, you would do a preliminary year, either in, again, typically internal medicine or pediatrics, followed by two years of residency training in clinical genetics. Although that being said, the vast majority of trainees um, come out of either pediatrics training programs where they've already completed training in pediatrics or in OBGYn as well as there are combined training programs for both of those. So there's sort of a very a more minimal route, and then we have a lot of combined trainees in genetics.
0: How much uh, of the medical genetics world um, are medical geneticists practicing their quote unquote, medical specialty, and then kind of adding in the medical genetics side just to, to add that information versus practicing mostly medical genetics after they they go through their training?
1: I think that depends on what their primary specialty was. So I think the situation you described is probably most common in the OBGYN setting, where uh, there might be someone who's also trained in medical genetics, but is practicing Um, obstetrics, for example, but, Mm. and then is using their genetics knowledge while where they're seeing those more complex pregnancies and applying their genetics knowledge on the, uh, On the other side of things, uh, for trainees, I think, who've trained in either pediatrics or internal medicine, uh, most of the vast majority of us, I would say, are practicing full-time genetics and usually out of an academic medical center with that primary training sort of serving as backup for our general medical knowledge, but not actually seeing patients outside of the genetics practice. I would say that's pretty uncommon um, for clinical geneticists, you know, who, who've trained in pediatrics to continue to see general pediatrics patients. But I'm sure there are examples of it that, that are less common.
0: Yeah. For the future primary care docs, pediatrics, uh, mostly probably what do you wish they knew about what you're doing day in and day out as a medical geneticist to help you and help their patients?
1: I think I wish I wish everybody knew more about medical genetics and the the ways that we're applying it now to different diseases across the board. You know, you asked me about bread and butter, and maybe those are more of the cases people have heard about, you know, Down syndrome or multiple congenital anomalies. But. In our practice, and especially on the outpatient side, we are taking care of patients, you know, with all sorts of what were previously maybe thought of more common diseases. So, for example, taking care of families with, you know, multiple a history of cancer or a strong history of cancer, um, arrhythmias, cardiomyopathies, um, some of these more common conditions where we are now able to really understand why these conditions run in particular families or maybe are earlier onset, and we can practice preventative medicine across the family um, rather than, you know, just identifying one individual that's affected. So I think um, you know, that's something that I, I think the genomics era is really bringing into medical practice. Uh, One other piece of that, too, is some of the treatments that are coming out for some of these genetic disorders Um, that is growing. You know, we historically we've had almost no treatments for most of the conditions that we see. Um, And that started improving, you know, maybe a few decades ago with some of the enzyme replacement therapies. But it is really growing, growing exponentially with some of the targeted therapies that actually treat specific mutations or specific gene alterations um, where we're able to do so much more for our patients than we ever have been before. And that's really exciting and I think has changed over the last five to 10 years where in addition to counseling and managing our patients, we're actually able to offer them targeted treatments that we we can make available based on genetic testing results. And that's really exciting.
0: Yeah, that's a very exciting world out there. For, uh, for you, what do you know now that you wish you knew before getting into medical genetics?
1: I mean, I wish I I do wish I'd known about medical genetics for the start. I think if I had had the chance to do a, I mean, I had the chance if I had chosen to do a rotation earlier on, I think my own career path, um, would have been more straightforward if I really knew what this practice was like, but I also think that in, in terms of my own training, I got a little bit lucky because I trained during the period of the Human Genome Project when there really was or there, there is this ongoing genomic revolution uh, where the practice of medical genetics has changed so much. So I guess I, I hope for, for students out there that they would know that you know the human genome, which we finished sequencing in 2001, 2003, now... That sounds like a long time ago, but it's now that the revolution is really happening in the practice of medicine. So we've now had 20 years to take that science, to take that genomic sequence and start to translate it into meaningful, you know, ways that we treat patients that we diagnose and treat patients. And so maybe now is an even more exciting time to be coming into the field because it's not just about what we know, but what we can do with that information to improve patient care. and And I guess I wish I'd known uh, how how much this field was going to take off because it it really would have interested me if I had known that that this was going to happen. And so, in that way, I think I got a little bit lucky. Um, but it's still happening. And I hope uh, students are aware of that. The field is transforming. And it's going to continue to for some time. Mm-hmm. so i I don't think that opportunity is lost to get in sort of on the ground floor where things are changing
0: yeah do you do you feel like the the advent of these kind of do it yourself home kits like twenty three andme is is that going to further further push medical genetics out into the the public's eye
1: you know i I hope so in many ways those kits were really challenging at the beginning because they were not regulated and you know there there was a lot of controversy over sort of the regulation and whether they should or shouldn't be happening. And I think a lot of that has really been solved. Um, And most of the companies that offer that sort of directed consumer testing on a large scale are working well with the FDA and other regulatory bodies now. So that concern is a little bit less. Um, But the fact of the matter is that the genetics workforce is too small to bring what we know out to the general population. We're still centered at these, you know, large tertiary care centers and there are not enough geneticists or genetic counselors to reach the U.S. population. And so we have to hope, um, you know, that other specialists will get involved in providing, you know, genetics based medical care. I hope that some of this direct-to-consumer testing will encourage patients everywhere to understand more about their genetics and to use that information responsibly. Um, I think it's great to get the information out there and to let people know what they might be able to learn from their DNA in terms of of how to take care of themselves and what they might be at risk for. So so I'm very enthusiastic about these, these types of testing becoming more widely available because you know, our clinic has a nine month waiting list, and that's not the right way that we can, you know, take care of the, our population. We need to be able to um, grow our workforce or grow the number of individuals who are trained to answer genetics or genomic questions.
0: Yeah, interesting. What do you like the most about medical genetics?
1: I like the. The, the sort of mysteries of it, right? Many of my patients are undiagnosed diseases. Many of them have been seen by multiple other specialties. And I'm sort of, in many cases, you know, the last call to try to to finally solve the problem. So sometimes I'll make a diagnosis, you know, in a 12 year old, you know, who who everyone's been wondering about for many, many years. Um, because we have these great genomic tools at our hands now, we're doing that more and more. So. I think that's really fun you know there it's a each patient is a puzzle each family is a puzzle and it, you know you can never say never in genetics right as unlikely as something is you know it's very unlikely that a recombination event between these two markers cause this disorder um, and i can calculate the odds of that but then you know a few years later i'll actually see it happen in a patient So. So we most of all can never say never because genetics is all about the exceptional and the rare um, and the unusual case presentations. So I do love to dig into that. Um, I get to read every single day uh, as, as part of taking care of patients, read new literature, old literature, dig in really deeply to all of my cases rather than just you know sort of brush the surface. Um, and I really love doing that. How
0: much of that, that, Love of mystery it translates into what's going on right now in the world with covid nineteen and we're seeing all these variants pop up all over the world does Does that interest you as well? because that's just that's genetics. It's just obviously a different different vessel.
1: yes. I mean, I think it's super interesting. um obviously i I'm not trained in virology or or know that much about the genetics of viruses, but the principles are the same. And so when I read articles about you know, different, variants or the phylogeny of the different viruses that they're sequencing now, that's really interesting to me. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know the, the work that's going on there to try to understand how the virus is evolving and how changes in you know, a single DNA base pair might impact the way a vaccine is able to work or a targeted therapy, the principles are all the same. And so I think you know, a lot of the work that we've done, in genetics across the board has set us up to be able to investigate some of these questions in a better way, given everything that's going on in the world.
0: One of the questions I love to ask is kind of where you see the field going. Um, There's obviously a very famous movie kind of in the world kind of around medical genetics. It's mostly around medicine in general, but Gattaca seems like it's a Required movie watching for a medical geneticists, where someone's born, we we scan their DNA, and we know everything that's going to happen to them. Are we ever going to get to that point?
1: <laughs> uh, of course, I've seen the movie. It's, it's a good movie. I, I don't think we're going to get there. I, I don't think it's possible. I mean, you know. Genetics can only tell us so much about who a person is and and who they're going to be. And I reiterate this, you know, with all of my patients, even when I make a, you know, a relatively simple genetic diagnosis like Down syndrome, I can't tell the family exactly what path their child is going to take or what their child is going to be able to achieve. I can speak in general terms. Um, but, you know, we, we've all seen those sort of miraculous cases or, you know, something like, a, um, you know, I have a three-year-old, there's a three-year-old in our practice, for example, um, with trisomy 18, which was certainly not expected. Right. So mm. genetics can get us to a point. It can give us general characteristics of a population, but I don't think, you know, there's so much more that plays into who we are, who we become and what we achieve. I tell my families that all the time. So I think that a Gattaca type world is is not realistic because we are more than our genes and we're not entirely limited by our genetic makeup. We definitely can go beyond that. And I see that with my patients as well.
0: What do you like the least about medical genetics?
1: Um, If I'm honest about that, I would say the reimbursement practices. Um, and the, uh, sort of lack of recognition for what we do as as important. So trying to get medical coverage for some of the genetic testing that we do, or even some of the visits to our clinic, um, I think could be really, really challenging, even as compared to other specialties, um, you know, reimbursement in general is quite poor. And, you know, I think there's a lack of recognition about the the value of genetic services. And that's sort of a battle I think we're all trying to fight as we come through this genomics revolution. And we really are doing more and more for our patients. Um, We'd like that to be recognized sort of by the payer community, by the, you know, insurers, the people that cover uh, genetic services. Or... In many cases, just flat out don't cover genetic services, and I think that you know that that should be part of the standard medical plan that the care should be recognized. Because uh, when when we do a good job, I think what we provide is extremely valuable to patients in terms of their their outcomes and their health.
0: Yeah. If you had to do it all over again, would you still be a medical geneticist?
1: Definitely. Definitely. I, I, I love this field. I love the way it changes. And, um, you know, I, I don't think I could really be happy practicing any other type of medicine just from, you know, what I see in the field. I I really enjoy this area the best.
0: Any other last words of wisdom for a student listening to this with their kind of first exposure to medical genetics?
1: (laughs) I I just hope they'll hear this and think about medical genetics, at least do a rotation, see what it's like. We have so many students who eventually rotate through with us. And I think, I hope, find it a wonderful and fascinating experience. So, you know, I think lack of exposure is the reason why our workforce is so small. and, you know, if, if you're interested in, you know, creative thinking and, and thoughtful management of your patients and getting to spend lots of time with your fa- patients, getting to know them and their families, uh, this is really a great field where, where we, have, we are blessed with that opportunity. So please think about it. Put it on your list. Do a rotation. Take a few weeks. Um, I, I just wish more students knew about it and took that opportunity because it, it is really an exceptional field.
0: All right, there you have it. Again, Dr. Elizabeth Chow, medical geneticist, talking about her journey, what she does day in and day out as a medical geneticist, how to become one, and much more. If you're looking to find out more about medical genetics, go to acmg.net, which is the American College of Medical Genetics. Again, that's acmg dot net hope you have a great week we'll see you next time here on specialty stories